secure your necessary muffin repository by visiting us at utilitymuffinlabs.com, on Facebook at Utility Muffin Labs, on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM or Utility Muffins, all one word, on Instagram at Utility Muffin Labs, one word. Support the labs on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and finally, adorn your human form with our t-shirts at tpublic.com slash users slash Utility Muffin Labs. Utility Muffin Labs, think homogenous. You are now listening to the NerdWords Podcast, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. If you know your party's extension, please dial it now. Press 1 for customer service. Press 2 for podcasts. Press 3 to check on an order. Press 4 to eat... Not much, man. Since you left, I found some go-juice. Go-juice? Coffee? Nah, I like to get rid of all the fucking heart-stopping caffeine Joe tries to make me drink in the night, and I spread it out over two days. <laughs> yeah, when he's trying to kill you. Right. Fucking caffeine. <laughs> Dude, that fucking coffee from Starbucks, I still will never forget it. Yeah, Bob, it's telling me, yeah, cool, it's good. I sipped it. Oh, man, this is really strong. No, it's good. Just mix it. Okay. So now you couldn't tell, right? And mix the cream around with it. And you're like, okay. But at the end of it, my heart was just <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. You're awake, though. Yeah, nothing goes to sleep after this. And then yeah. I was up for two days. Right. <laughs> yeah, you should have just had some more coffee after that. Eventually, your body's like, oh, <laughs> so so. Down. Have you have you uh, have you done any of those escape rooms? No, I've not done a single one. I've heard about them, but I've never done one. Yeah, I did one last night, yesterday, actually, before uh, before game, because uh, you know I got hired by a place, uh, but I'm not gonna name their names because, you know, that's how those things go. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was uh, it was like. You start off on like you're in a like a small room, like a closet essentially, and then uh, you have to like figure out how to get into the room. So like there's a TV screen and it's basically telling you the whole story. Like uh, you know, mine was uh, was museum heist or whatever, and apparently okay. this guy uh, stole a bunch of like uh, artifacts from the museum and and switched them out with with fake ones, and you have to figure out how to get in. And, um, figure out like this whole, like long involved puzzle. Right. And they give you an hour to do it. And luckily I had a group of people with me. I didn't know any of them. Like they were just like, they were already there playing and they let me, you know, piggyback on uh, the back of them. But, um, we get into the room and there's just like, um, there's like paintings on the walls and there's like little symbols everywhere. And like, there's this whole involved detailed, like puzzle. Right. And there's like all kinds of like shelves and, and, um, and, and like cabinets and they all have locks on them. Right. And I'm like, okay, I have no fucking clue what's going on here. Um, but the people I was with were smart enough and they had done enough of these rooms before that like, they had a kind of like an idea of like, not, not how to solve the puzzle, but at least like the process to proceed. Cause I was like, Oh, there's a black light flashlight in here. And I start looking at everything with the black light flashlight. Right. And I'm finding, right. I'm like finding things that mean nothing <laughs> right? <laughs> because you, you know, there's like kind of a process to follow the clues to get stuff open. So we spend, like about 45 minutes trying to go through and like figure there's like a scrabble board and we need to like figure out what, you know, like, so there's like 12 locks. We figure out all these locks, we get it open. And then, so the room that we're in is essentially like, I don't know, eight foot by eight foot square. And 
we figure out like all these long involved puzzles and there's more clues and more puzzles and there's math involved. And, uh, so finally we get to this last clue and I'm like, all right, what the hell is next? And like a fucking secret door opens, click and like (laughs) lets us into this additional room. And so, um, at the end we have to like, there's a key that comes out of the ceiling and like, just like so much. That sounds pretty cool. Right, right. It, It is, it is definitely, it's a worthwhile team building exercise, right? Um, it's great for that. And it's also great to do with your friends. It's like 25 bucks a piece. So, right. and, and it's an hour, right? Either way, it's, it's an hour where you get out of the room or you don't. And so in that regard, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was really awesome. Plus I get to see like behind the scenes and like figure out how all these things are done. So we went and saw Deadpool too, right? Yeah. And that was a, that was an event. Yeah. Because it wasn't just like, it was it was like out of a head. It was like, hey, let's let's you know, Bob, did you want to see Deadpool? Of course I do. Right. Uh, what was going to do? Well, the plan was to wait till someone got in town. I thought about it. We're going to be asked a whole bunch about it, and with the, uh, I just figured do my part to stay ahead. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I, and I wanted to see it. Right. So. Uh, let's hear Nick Bob's Fly- review. Bob's review. Fly- Boom. Well, hang on. Nick flies in, <laughs> and uh, this story was more hysterical to me, and I know you would definitely get it because you worked in the same mall, which is Oakbrook. First, when they pick me up, they go. Go ahead. Sorry. When Nick comes by and gets us all, you know, it's me, it's me, Dominic, and Adam. And Adam wanted to go to a film. <laughs> right? Right. Out of a hat. Like, resurrected himself. Let's go. And we're out the door. When we're driving along, they're like, hey, did anybody know where this theater is? And I'm like, well, Nick's from Wisconsin, you know, so, you know, he drove all the way to Illinois for us. I was like, yeah, dude, I, I get that. It's, uh, uh, go here, go there, and then you'll be heading your way. And everyone's just quiet. You know, and then, like, Adam's like, wait a minute. I thought it was in Oak Brook, though. I didn't hear that. Mm-hmm. Like he said it in my, and I heard it with my ear. Right. But my brain's like, naturally you went to the closer theater, which was Yorktown. Right. Right. That one's where he went. <laughs> we, get, we get down this road and, and Adam's like, it's in Oak Brook, bro. And I was like, I don't know where the fucking theater is in Oak Brook. I've never been to that theater. <laughs> I just know it's in Oak Brook mall. And then suddenly, you know, we figure it out. Right. So right. we get there, but we're in a right. rush is what I'm trying to hammer home. Right. Now we don't want to miss it. Right. So we, we get to the mall, we park in the parking garage in Oak Brook is super posh right yeah of course the mall, everything yeah. i'm noticing they have signs that let you know how many parking spaces are available oh yeah 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 they did that stupid shit <laughs> over the six-year period you and i worked out of that mall what they did was all the renovations they were doing right. was nothing to improve the parking lot it was nothing to well to improve the parking lot but not for what you think right no paint no removing bumps no adding more spaces it was just to put four stone signs put in at the entrances that say of 896 spaces, this many are now filled. Right, right. That's it. They put sensors in. Oh, d- and I was d- like, d- "What the hell?" Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Okay, so we really are posh because that's like to me something that never needs to be done. Because if you drive and you see it's super busy, good luck finding a parking space." Right. Well, welcome to the modern age, yeah. right? Who gives you a know? shit how many there are if you can't find a fucking space? It's kind of hard to park there. Right. Especially when it was more cost effective to put up a way on your website that the fucking security guards could monitor how many spaces are left and they could just put up on a website, by the way, here's a little app <laughs> that we paid to have made. This is what's left open if yeah, you sign up for it. But I, I, I digress. I was like, that's just ridiculous, right? Right. <laughs> then we get in there and we hop out and we're like, well, where's the theater? We see this huge AMC 21, whatever, and we're like, okay, cool. We'll park in a parking garage near there, and we'll just walk to it. Right. Right? That makes sense. We find a space. We get out. 
we go walking to where it should be. There's all these stores, and we don't see it anywhere. And we're like, this is weird. So was it a sign just letting us know it's in the mall? Okay, well, let's look for a sign that says anywhere from the parking garage. There is no sign. There is no sign anywhere. We go clear across the parking garage, and we see a sign that says AMC Theater and a bunch of other stores, but nowhere the direction they're at. Just like here be the spot, you know? Right. It turns this little adventure. We're like, damn, what's going on? We're right. finding all these people walking around, minding their business, you know, no big deal. And I see, but they're, you know, it's Oakbrook. So it's, 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 just, it's just a push that, right. You know, it's like people are in their own head and who are you? You know what I mean? Right. They just, to, to have the Oakbrook feel, you have to like tilt your nose up a little bit. Yeah. In a heavy rainstorm. <laughs> right. You got to drown a little bit in yourself to kind of, kind of get that down. And I see this kid who looks like pretty relaxed, you know, just doing his things by the elevator. I'm like, I, my giant ass stops and goes, hey. So like, yeah, where's the theater? It's like, what? Yeah, the theater. Where is it? Do you know where it is? And he's like, well, I, um, well, what it might be, um, some, well, yeah, we're in this, it's like maybe on the next floor. <laughs> That's not a fucking answer. It's, the it's right not answer. a fucking answer. It's, it's like, right, it is the right answer, but I didn't know that. Right. And I'm sitting here going, it's all in his inflection. Right. Right. So he basically fucked me is what he is. Cause he can, well, cause he didn't learn to have bass. Put a little bass in your voice. You'll know, be like, yeah, it's on the second floor. If you know where something is, you're just like, yeah, it's right up here. Right. Yeah, it's right over here. You know, and he didn't mean no malice, no way. It just literally seemed like I pulled him out of his world. Right. Absolutely. That's and, what happened. And, and he quickly was like threatened. Right. Like it was like, I, 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 it might be. And I'm, all right, cool, man. Have a day. Like I noticed he was scared. We just walk off. But we go all around, right, looking. What they have at Oprah Thor are hot security guards. I want to point that out. I don't know anything about like, that. You want to get in trouble at Oak Brook is what you want to do. <laughs> you want to have a car breakdown. You want to have a bad something like they, they hire talent. But anyway, this little cutie comes over and Adam acts like he's in downtown Chicago. Owning the street. Walks out in the traffic. Like doesn't give a two fucks about who's like, hey, you ask you a question. Walks over to her. And she's like, oh, somebody with testosterone and stops like, yes, what do you need? And he's like going talking and talking and talking. Adam looks smooth as shit talking to her. Right. And when he gets done. We're looking at Adam like, can I get that phone number? You get that phone number. That was a little longer than where's the theater, you know? And she gives this long, like, whatever direction to Adam, and you could tell she's into him. Right. He doesn't say anything. Adam comes back and like, all right, ma'am, thank you. Cool. <laughs> and, he, and you know what I mean? Like, your, your buddy who mm -hmm. doesn't have a deep voice ever until he's talking to a female of attraction, right. and suddenly he's Barry White, you know? <laughs> and that happened. Adam comes walking back, and he still has the voice. It hasn't worn off. And he's like going, yeah, she said to go down here and across the way. <laughs> like up there, it's gonna be on the second floor. Look for up, and then he has to do like physicality now, right? right? Unconsciously, like there's a four foot drop to the parking garage, or you could take the stairs that walk down into it. Adam got to jump down the four foot, right? Right, and he's just you know pepping his step. I hopped out after we get over there, we get up and we're in the theater. Um, but when we get in the theater, we get up to our seats, and you know how it is now. Everything's assigned seating. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we get up to the four seats, and these four people are in our seats. And we're looking, <laughs> and I assess quickly, right? Right. You know me. You know I'm black, right? <laughs> right. I'm sitting there. It's four black folk. Right. Right in them chairs. And they look at us, and they're nice as hell, and you can tell that. Right. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, and Adam and, and, and Todd were like, these, these are seats. And I'm looking, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so they are. So tell them to get up. Right. 
you know, they hear us say it, and the dude's like, ah, oh, shit, man, that big dude going to say something. And I was like, I looked down. There is nobody in the other half of the theater. I was like, right. watch this shit. He's like, well, we just sit wherever. I don't give a fuck. We got tickets. And we go and sit down. The whole time, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> because as I'm, as I'm walking past people, there are only five black people in the theater. Right. I comprise the fifth one. Right. And the whole time, I'm like, welcome to Oak Brook. Do, do, do. <laughs> Good movie. Blast. The, the review of Deadpool 2. Um, you kind of kind of shit my ear on it a little bit. Okay, so so bit. so when you say I shit in your ear, let's dial it back just a little bit, right? Because a week ago, I said I have I have some I have some reticence about this film, mm-hmm. right? And I'll explain to you, everybody listening, why I have reticence about this film. Couple of things: the first movie was so good, I was like, ah, oh, man, I feel like with you know the director leaving and like, you know, all of that shit. Like, I just feel like the second one can't be as good as the first, right? That's my first opinion. And and it's a completely skeptical kind of negative way to look at it. Piece of reticence. Number two reason why I was like, Ooh, I don't know is because they have advertised the living shit out of this movie, right? Every website you go to, there's a Deadpool two thing. Every, every it's everywhere. And my experience is, at least in the last couple of years, the more advertisements you see in the more places, the less likely the movie is to be good, right? So that's piece number two. And then piece number three was, I saw the preview, and they have all these characters that they introduced, and I'm just like, I'm like, oh man, is this movie going to be bad? Because some of this just kind of looks a little corny, right? So that was that was me shitting in Bob's ear. And I do, I don't want to. I want the movie to be good, right? I want... Deadpool 2. Deadpool is my favorite comic book character. I right. want it to be good, but I had some fears beforehand. But you, you, my boy, you know, right. we're like, uh, we're like Batman and Nightwing because Robin's a punk. I don't even see one of us fitting that motif. Just saying, <laughs> but uh, uh we're, we're checking this out, and uh, I'm looking at it. I'm in the theater, like Nate says some shit. Mm, he is the aficionado of Deadpool. Mm, I didn't look at the preview. I wouldn't look at it all. You know me, right? I live in a hole, even though I'm on the internet. And in my hole, if it's not a horror film, if it's not an action film, it doesn't pertain to vampire, if it's not researchable for what we do here on podcast, Bob don't care. Right. It's it, it, it I'll get to it when I get to it at that point. I, I so, always felt I've always felt that like you have a very Kevin Smith Kevin Smith has a certain way of, of looking at like comic book movies, and I feel like that's kind of you for everything, right? For like horror and stuff like that for the most part. Where you're just like, I don't give a shit, let's watch it. I don't right. care what anybody else is saying. I want to see it for me. And you're like, oh, that was awesome. And you move on. It's it's exactly right. And so when I'm when I'm sitting in here and I'm seeing it, it was nonstop laughter for me. Right. And enjoyment because there was so much. I like Deadpool too, because you liked it and you were into him. It's the same thing like Punisher. Once mm-hmm. once I I love Punisher, but I didn't get into the Max. Right. Punisher Max comics until you started collecting them. And then I was just eating it up. Right. And uh, like my favorite character ever is the Hulk, and I own like twelve things of the Hulk. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I've seen and watched and read and all that, but like, I don't need to own all the shit. Right. And uh, when you did, it gives you research material. And Deadpool comics were hysterical, right? Yep. Well, now I'm watching it, and I'm seeing Easter eggs and things in it, and it's a film that I have to watch multiple times. Right. It's one that I'm recognizing. I can't just watch this once. There's no way. There's so much, and uh, the the entire time I'm sitting here going, you know, there's only a certain way I got to present this to Nate. I can't say it's amazing. Right. I can't do it. I can't say it's a must watch. I can't do that. And it's not because it's not those things. It's because then Nate won't watch it. 
<laughs> He'll tone it down in his head. He'll cool it down. I gotta let Nate find Deadpool too. Right. Well, he has I, to come to it on his own. And that—that's the thing. Like, I—I I have to establish. Like, I have not seen it, but I haven't seen it because it's more of like a money thing, right? I just don't have the money to run out and go. You know, but we you just will. we just saw right, right. But we just saw Infinity War and IMAX, right? Th- there's a problem right now, and it's called there's too many good movies coming out in too rapid succession. For me right. to be able to throw 16 bucks every time, right? Like, I saw the previews for Solo. I want to see the shit out of that. And I'm not even a Star Wars person. But people are like, that movie's fucking amazing. Rogue One was amazing, right? So so my opinion, it must be that the non-Star like Star Wars Star Wars movies must all be fucking amazing. So I want to go see that, right? We got Deadpool. We got um, something else coming out. And it's just like it's just like oh, I don't have enough money for all this. Right? <laughs> I I want to see everything, but you know no one's footing me the bill to go see a movie. So, <laughs> right. You know. And uh, well, here's the thing I'll tell you. I I know you won't be disappointed. Right. But I also know you are a professional movie watcher. <laughs> someone didn't get an angle right. Someone CGI something wrong. Nate gonna find it. If they didn't have the audio right, Nate gonna find it. It's just that simple. It's just the type of cat you are. But for for you people who Kevin Smith watched with Bob. Can't miss it. Right. It's 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 not you're not gonna be wasting no money, no how. And it was it was fun for it. And the other uh thing that we stumbled upon, or I should say B Wood was telling us about is that we now have the ability to share movies we love. Right. That we talk about, to look them up, give an opinion and a rating, and just shoot to shoot them to people so you can go watch those films. Yeah. So there's this website. We're not like advertising for them or, you know, nobody, like, we're not getting paid by them at all. But there, and it's something I just discovered yesterday. And oh boy, if you want a motherfucking time waster, you get on this site. It's called Letterboxd. Uh, and boxed is spelled with a, it's B O X D, letterboxd.com. And you like, I've just been sitting on here like yesterday we, we did our vampire, the masquerade game over discord. Cause I'm in Indianapolis. Everybody else is in Chicago and I'm, I'm just playing, but I'm going through like just marking all of these movies that I've seen. And then I don't even know how much time passed. Right. I'm just like, Oh, a lot of time passed. And I go and I'm, I'm like looking at my profile here and I'm like, Oh, what, you know, how many films have I seen? I have marked off 1169 films in the time that we, we played yesterday Jesus! in the four hours, we'll say three and a half hours that we role played last night. I checked off 1169 films that I've watched and I know it ain't even fucking anywhere near close how many, uh, I've seen. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool website and then you can like make your own lists and you can share them with people and you can write reviews of movies and yeah, it's an awesome, awesome, uh, awesome site. It's a shot to be wood for throwing that at us though. Uh, he, uh, he did it and his sole purpose was to mark his top 30 horror films. Right. And, and he challenged me, he laid down the gauntlet. If I could limit the horror films I've, I've watched to 30 right. and pick the top 30, I don't think I can. Well, but I got to give it a shot. Right now I'm working on my my top 50 movies, right? I, I have no idea what that even looks like. I've never, like, tried to set up a top anything. So I think that our challenge here is you guys get on Letterboxd and um, we'll say we'll say top 30, right? It looks like right. B-Wood had a top 30 horror film. And if you get on Letterboxd and you have a top 30, share those with us. And we'll, you know, we'll do something cool on the podcast. We'll, 
you know, we'll, uh, I don't know, we'll talk about you or we'll mention you or what, I don't, I don't know what we'll do. But anyways, do something with it. And um, I'm still trying to figure out how to like add people like, like friends and, and people that follow me or whatever. So as we use this site more, it's at least going to be able to shine in your face how many movies you've watched so you can like, you know, realize how, <laughs> how much shit you have in your head. <laughs> You can see what you've seen and have not seen is really a, a right. great way to look at that too. Right. And and it's, I know I know it's going to eye open. There's films I've missed. I wanted to see and forgotten about, right? Because there was other shit to do or stuff came up. Everyone has those, and I think that's going to be a, another another good thing with it. I think it's um, really it's it's kind of crazy that I've seen I've and I haven't even by any stretch of the imagination gone through because there's hundreds of thousands of movies listed on this website, literally hundreds of thousands and i i just for a couple hours was just like oh let me just go through here the fact that i can remember 1169 films that i've seen and be like yep i saw that like that to me that's that it's it's bizarre it just it doesn't make sense to me but you know there's very few where i'm like did i see that it's like i know as soon as i see it that i've seen it i was uh shift gears yeah i was asked a uh a question and someone said hey do you have a problem it's one of the one of the people online we have that don't play but we're watching uh-huh. and uh they, they'd flat out ask me like hey man do you have like guilt when you kill players like because you kill a lot of players <laughs> <laughs> that, they, that they've seen like people have gone a long time and like i guess i'm i guess i'm dr death the death st right and uh i was like well um well let me ask you the question and we'll, we'll get into what i whatever but uh how it was positioned to me. It says you kill a lot of players. Do you feel any guilt for it? And I wanted to ask. That's that's a very good thing to get into because do do you Nate when you kill players? Do you do you feel like a certain? Um, I feel like if I'm feeling guilt about what I've done, then I did not follow some basic rules about storytelling. Um, and that's to say, I have in the past felt bad. Um, but by and large, I do not. Um, and I, I feel like there are two distinctly different answers for this. If I am running a game and there's more than 10 people in that game, I'm, I am no longer going to feel bad about your character dying. And the reason for that is because I notice in, in most circumstances, players, uh, they come from a world where they're like, there's no ramifications for what I do in almost zero scenarios do i go out of my way to try to kill off a player's character in in 99.9 out of you know 100 circumstances it is the player has done something or put themselves in an untenable position and i feel like i am no longer following the realism of this game or any game by letting them live if right. you if you believe that you're playing a game in easy mode you are now going to do things that you wouldn't normally do when there are ramifications for your actions, right? In the real world, there is no respawn. In the real world, you don't get three lives. You get one, right? And so we temper what we do, hopefully, based on the real genuine concern that your mortality will cease. In a fantasy game, you should tread with that same amount of trepidation because there should be real world ramifications for your actions, right? Uh, 
if I we'll just we'll just boil this down to a fantasy game, right? If me and, and if my party and I we have to go fight a dragon in this cave. And we have to do it because this dragon, we've been feeding it princesses for a thousand years and it's just getting fat and it's powerful and it's enslaving this whole city. We're going in here knowing off the bat that this dragon has been feeding off of princesses for a thousand years and very well likely could eat us, right? Right. But we're doing it because we're the heroes. It's our job, right? This is a life or death situation. We're not doing it necessarily for the glory. We're doing it because we want to save people, right? This dragon is a is a a bane to this city that we're we're from, and you know, granted, we're going to get some gold for it or whatever. But we know going in, some of this party may not survive. In fact, all of this party may not live, and that's now a lot of players are going. Well, I could just get resurrected. I don't believe in that. That shit doesn't exist in my world. You get one, you're dead. That's it. You can't. Right. You can't. Right. There's a phrase that I know you and me lived by that one of our friends coined. And it was a beautiful one. It was a uh, brave men die while rats get fat. Right. Right. They said it in a negative connotation. They said it in a form of explaining why they're going to live through a scenario. I always picture brave men die while rats get fat as being pretty much synonymous with a city scenario. Right. Meaning someone's got to die to end this. Meaning start your journey wearing your very best gear, your very best equipment, kiss your family goodbye because in your scenario going in to fight that dragon in no way should you be leaving thinking you're living right in no way now it's about how well do you sell your life and take it to the grave and your death is glory your death is honor your death should be to take something from that dragon right to weaken it so one of you can kill it not everyone everyone may die but if the dragon dies that story is amazing and stories end great stories have an ending right Every player's a story. The reason why I don't feel guilt, and I think that maybe it it might be uh, representative of how I was raised in a fiction setting. When I was like eight, nine years old, I discovered Stephen King. Okay, that is where I got my start in horror. At a young age, I, I was like, "Oh man, I love me some horror." Right. <laughs> so right. I'm reading Stephen King and. Stephen King, especially like in those early days when you're reading like The Stand, right? The Stand was was a perfect example of Stephen King writing the most believable characters and writing characters who had deep feelings and deep emotions. And he would spend a chapter telling you about this character who was the guy who mopped the, the cafeteria when the school closed at night and then at the end of the chapter, he's brutally, terribly murdered. And you're like, I just spent all that time, like, like getting to know this guy. And he was brutally, terribly murdered. And it's like, what was the point of that? But the point is to tell you, like, this is a real world where, where real things happen, where not everything is an episodic adventure where you're going to be there at the end, right? Watch Game of Thrones. And I'm not saying like, oh, let's advocate for the murder of characters, but you have to understand at any point in time, your story can end, like you said. And sometimes it ends and it seems to have a lot of meaning. And sometimes it ends and it doesn't seem to have a lot of meaning to you, but it does to the overall theme. Right. And and, and the back to that is is like how I, I like I have yet to answer this question. Because honestly I was waiting for this podcast. So I was putting some thought to it, but I really couldn't fit my head around it. And it was it was this. 
you've been a player in my games a long time. Yep. I've never just killed you. Because there's a much worse fate. <laughs> I mean, is that not a truth? It's very true. It's absolutely very true. I find it in its simplicity. Kill if I just killed you, I spared you a darker fate. Dude is how it is. One of the most disappointing like character wasn't a death, but like the end of a character was and we've talked about this before on different podcasts, but that first Nosferatu I played in your LARP, that Nosferatu fell to a sale. Right. Why? Because it was my own damn fault. Because the shit that I was doing and the, uh, but it was like, uh, what? Uh, uh, like, I, then, it was like getting punched in the chest, but you're like, I have no, there's, there's no question why it happened. And what happened to the Nosferatu? It went on. It went on to kill no less than 16 players. Right. 16 player deaths. Right. Is what it ended up doing. And, and why is that? Because every Nos character that came in as a brood thought that in the sewer, everything was safe and copacetic. Right. And didn't, and, and you know, didn't have wherewithal to think that the terror could come from within. And I knew that. And down there in the dark, in the labyrinth, where no one can see, when they think they're hidden, because you were a bastard and took sleep unseen, yeah. that was you. <laughs> yeah, it was. And, and, it's, and, and that's what the beast used. So right. it would, they would wake at night and it would hunt one of the lone Nas who were typing at the computer. Right. One of them. Just drag him off and eat him. It looked like a shark attack. And there'd be not but ashes left. And they were like, oh, what the hell was that? But Nas are insular. They don't say anything. And then talks of Nictaku went around. And this deck game went like 10 years. Right. I mean, it was just, could that you, was the reoccurring villain. That was down imagine there. Was that? Could you imagine playing in a game for 10 years? And at the beginning of that 10 year period, a character falls to a sale. And it's a Nosferatu. And for 10 solid, uninterrupted years, this, this 753 13th generation Nosferatu in Wasail is just every couple of weeks just snatching Nosferatu away. NPCs, PCs, and no one ever does anything about it. For 10 years, this thing just sits. 10 years of real world gaming. Like, could you fucking imagine that? No, it's and crazy. Just, just the terror. Right. And then what does it get killed by? Your deputy. <laughs> Years later, your deputy, not even realizing it, this thing was tethered to a sabat pack, and you might remember the description, mm -hmm. had the iron mask over his face yep. and a chain, and they had it and just set it loose towards you, and you were like, Bruja, Tyler's kid, whack, waha, mm -hmm. dead, what now? And they were like, hmm, right. later, later then, later. <laughs> it backed off. But what was the point? It was like I I plan deep, right? So every person that dies, though, that's it's based on dual writing, right? I don't want to defend it. I want to state that when you give me a concept that I approve, it does not mean my heart's in it. It means this is a believable concept that can exist in this world, right. and I will now write the story for this character in this world, and I'll meld it and bring in the plot, and we'll see where you take it. Right. If you're a wallflower, and you leave that story as is, and what I mean by a wallflower, it's not bad to be one. Some people just haven't got their groove yet to figure out how to be a mover and shaker. Right. And so they're reactionary. Or they wait to be drugged through plot because some people are just nervous. But the development of the character isn't there at that point. Right? Because when you're reactionary like that, you're stuck in being out of game and have a sheet of paper. And right, a storyteller is going to tell you about this character. I'm capable of doing that, but you basically tell me that character is an NPC. Because if I have to play it mostly... And you're just going to have the ability to tell me if you go left or right. Well, that's what it is. And so a lot of the deaths tend to be that. And it's not an insult, at least I feel, 
it's it's like you know you make the choices but you learn from these choices and you learn when you make new characters right of course yeah that that's that's one of the reasons why i've been such a big advocate of of larp because um i feel like in a larp scenario and maybe this isn't universal for everyone maybe most people don't find this true but why i've always been a big advocate of it is because it gives you the skills to think like your character right when you in real time have to answer questions and interact with other people it helps to put you in the frame of mind of playing a character then uh, and some people disagree but then when you sit down to play tabletop you at least understand how to play as that character right because it's not just all right bob there's a door in front of you what do you do well i open right, the door right it's not zork right right exactly you know it, the- it's it's very much your character should have motivations to move and and breathe and well you know not breathe but but to move and exist realistically and yeah. when you yeah. have that if if i if if you go i'm going to open that door and go in the room and i'm like all right now i told you in the room behind the door there was a very deep voice that said if you open the door i'm going to murder you you're still going to open the door well yeah because that's the quest no 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 it's now not, you, now you're getting not, murdered right we're not on a quest <laughs> the game is not a quest right this this is way more grand theft auto and way less you know uh whatever linear rpg uh, insert here but like this isn't th- there's not going to be a boss fight at the end you have to know that right this is not like a this is not a linear game this is there's seven billion human beings there's hundreds of thousands of vampires and sometimes you gotta go and if you open that door you gotta go and there's there's no it's not that it's not plot right the thing behind the door is definitely plot that's not normal <laughs> something's up with right, that exactly and, and indeed it should be investigated are you the one who should right that's the question you found it is your skill set to handle it because i know i for one when i come across a a, a lava ex- fissure ripping across <laughs> the road i don't pull over and start putting on gear i yeah. think might protect me against the heat so i can go and try to divert nature right right i mean my ass tries to leave i'll tell you this much if i was embraced and i was a vampire tomorrow and i came home to my apartment and tomorrow i go to the bedroom and there's like demon voice but beneath it like uh on the other side of the door and it's like come on in big boy i'm fucking leaving right Right. i don't give a shit that i turn into a vampire i'm fucking leaving right and i'm going so i'm i'm gonna go get another apartment right but if i bump into a guy and he's like yes i am a master magician and i i i am secrets of the dark arts hey you know what there's a place you might be able to f- my old apartment i can't get in there because there's a voice behind the door would you mind looking into that pro bono of course right i don't you know what i just want to move <laughs> back in i don't want anybody else to get eaten can we i mean simple thing it's it's that, that, go ahead no i was just there was another profound question or not even question i was talking to a to a friend online and i got into this that there are distinct differences between how 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 black folk and white folk handle supernatural. <laughs> There's two distinct differences, right? Because we, we were listening to the talk of saving your loved ones, right? You got a girl, she in trouble, you do anything for her. And I was like, Mm-mm, nope. You got to know that right now. That to me, the supernatural has a profound effect on me. Let, me. let me get to how it started. It said you're walking down the street and you realize you're on the wrong side of town with your girl. I was like, me? She behind me. She hold on to my hand. We're going to make it through. Mm-hmm. We're going to be all right. Just don't act out of sorts. Be cool. Try to relax and just get to where we need to be going and let's correct our route. That's it. 
that's just street survival. Don't try to get involved in nothing and definitely don't be a thorn and move on your way. We'll be all right. Right. But if my girlfriend is going to break down in tears and start crying because where she is and playing the victim out in the open, I'm going to pick that <laughs> up is what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to pick her up and drag her ass through the whole time looking pissed. And let me tell you something. I really feel that's a, that's, that's a, that's a thing, right? That's, that's a cultural trope maybe, but it's the truth with me. Now you gonna have me out in public being embarrassed because you afraid because some dude looks like he's from a hip hop video. What the hell is wrong with you? Right? Ain't nothing. It's just the dude. It's just the dude on the corner. You don't know nothing about him. Stop right. having right. your bite. Let's go. Right. You've embarrassed me. Right? Let's well, change that scenario. I had a, I had a similar conversation with someone that I I worked with when I was working at, <laughs> and this uh, this this person was saying uh, it was a young lady, and she was like da 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 jump in front of a bullet for me, and I was like I wouldn't even jump into the street if someone was shooting at you like i'm not jumping in front of you to take a bullet for you and she's like are you serious you're such a coward and i was like look let's be real here i barely know you i know you well enough to know i work with you and i've only known you for three months fuck i'm gonna jump in front of a bullet for you i'll call the police you talking strangers right I won't even call the police. <laughs> that ain't got nothing to do with me. Police have known one thing for me and outlined clearly. You a black male? Don't roll the dice. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was gunshots in an affluent white neighborhood. You know what? Mm -mm. Right, right. That girl might have got hit. I know that this guy named Nate, my friend, didn't walk in the street, and I know some dude <laughs> dove in front and took the shot. Right, and it ain't me. But I was like, I was like, be real. I was like, I, you know, I, I might, I might look to jump to save my mother's life or my brother's life or my girlfriend's life, but I'm not saving yours. Like I'm the, I'm the, the, the totem pole of people I give a shit about. Like you're a coworker motherfucker. We're getting paid the same. So it's, it's fight or flight on you. Not on me. I need to save your life. You fucking save your own. Like <laughs> right. and she was just like, Oh, chivalry's dead. And I was like, bullshit with the chivalry. I was like, you're but a person. I'm a person. Somebody shooting guns. I'm running. You better run too. Yeah, it's not called uh, uh, Dark Knight. It's called White Knight. Okay, <laughs> you get to be that role, right? <laughs> you know, uh, but but it evolved from there, right? Everybody had right. their viewpoint, and I was be I was funning. I'm part of it, but I'm actually I'll be honest. I'm serious about this too. They said, "All right, woman of your life, you love her. She gets possessed. What do you do?" And I was like, "I leave the apartment, and lock the door." <laughs> That's it. I never open that door again. We had like it depends when this happened. Did this happen during sex? Like she just had some freaky reaction and I don't know what's going on. She might get a pass. I don't know what went on. Right. But you know, that's, that's that. But if it was like not, and like, I just, I come out to shower and she's like, you're shit full off, you're floating off the ground and blood's running everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hold it together. I get my keys in my wallet, check, make sure they're at, I put on my clothes. Yeah. You deemed it out. You, you coming in your own. Cool. Um, I'm out. May you enjoy your new existence. I don't know nothing about no demon. I don't know nothing about getting rid of one. I don't know. I can't I ain't gonna battle you. You you also the woman I love. You you walk in, in a body meat shield for me. My only hope is that you come out of it. But where I'm going is um I'm calling the psych ward. Right. Right? They they maybe they, they deal with crazy. They, <laughs> they deal <laughs> That's something that's something for someone else to handle. Right, that is right. not my specialty. Right. But we were laughing how the reason why horror film, because the trope is, you know, but if that a white dude, that dude goes, Sarah, no, I got to find a way to make this right. And he calls up the local priest and he gets everybody in and they're spending all sorts of money. Because you notice how in horror films, they just seem to always have financial backing. Yeah, yeah. They just got money like it's growing out their ass, right? That's another reason why I ain't a black person, <laughs> right? We, we, we know how to handle our money. And like, we literally, we weigh them pros and cons. We go, how much is it going to be to get her out of here? I got to liquidate the house? 
Mm. Yeah. You know how much money I spent getting this house? Right. Like I got to get nah, the problem's you. I just got to get you out the house is what it is. You need to be taken care of. I'll go work to do it, but I'm not about to go back in the hole I got out of to get. But they always get that carte blanche, right? And then there's always that fateful moment. And the part I was laughing at was the exorcist, mm-hmm. you know, where the priest is like, come into me, save the And then threw himself out the window. I was like, mm, again, <laughs> nope. Like, what do you mean? You're a priest, though, and you're an exorcist. Yeah, yeah, I'm an exorcist. I'm a priest. Now I know I'm supposed to deal with a demon. But th- this says, don't let the evil win. Right. Now, what's a better win for the evil? Getting rid of the guy that can get rid of more demons? Or letting one girl done and out? <laughs> the family knew. You didn't get a baptized, right? Nope. Your ass was, you, you were living in decadence and were doing some shit? Like, we're talking about sins you didn't think to go apologize for. And now Pazuzu owns your daughter's ass. <laughs> I came in and gave it a go. I even brought the old dude and we gave it a go. You killed his ass and you want me to say, man, and plus that oh, yeah. said, your mother sucks cocks in hell, Harris. <laughs> we going to act like that doesn't touch me? Oh, little foul mouth girl. You know what I mean? Some shit happened. Right. I tried demon stuff and the demon got her and then the girl's going to die. Like, cardiac arrest and done. Got to do something. No, take me. Throw stuff out the window. I was like, nope. You need to have me write that movie again. <laughs> you need to have that part where she dies and you're really sorry and you go out and you say, hey, not all exorcisms end with the wind. Right. Okay. Right. Well, but it's gone. I don't know about any of that, but I know if I'm dating somebody and she's blowing green vomit from her <laughs> mouth and floating off of the bed. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean... I'm, I live with my significant other, so, I mean, I might leave for a couple hours, but eventually I might have to come back and check. Cream with a crap! Because I ain't got nowhere else to go. <laughs> <laughs> Why I'm laughing, I can see you clear as day walking out there. Man, well, I got to clean up that green vomit. That's for shit, sir. I can't sleep with that smell in the house. It's going to make me gag. And, uh, you know, she can't float forever. That's got to take a lot of energy. Right. I come back. She's fine. Totally normal. And I'm like... Can I can I ask you a question about you floating <laughs> off the bed? Um, can we can we address the elephant in the room? Um, we can. Uh, you feeling a uh, cream with a crap? You, you want you want Chinese tonight or Thai? Uh, what's yeah <laughs> soup? I mean, you okay? Got an infection? What was? Because <laughs> there's like a lot of films now that have these dark super endings, right? Right. Or like, you know, the demon possesses that, but the guy goes back so he could get killed. Or, the or, oh, my God, like, the women are getting smarter. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like, yeah, there are films so that's, they like, that's a trope, too. Like, yep. yeah, there there's all kinds of, like, um, there's there's all kinds of way, ways that modern movie makers are, like, changing. That, like, have you heard of Waifu? Cream with a crap! I, I nev- honestly, I've seen it a lot, and I don't know what the hell that is. I'm wearing lizard shoes! So I'll. Uh, I normally change it because according to Cortana, that just means it's anime porn. You know, waifu move on. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. That's just just the new anime, whatever. I'm done with your hentai shit. Yeah. Uh, so uh, regardless of how frail, small, or seemingly underpowered the action girl might look, when the chips are down, she is the embodiment of badassery in a small package, whether for good or for evil. Normally used with a lot of acrobatics and turns while fighting, probably implying some kind of mystic martial arts. Etc. Etc. I always saw it without the dash. With the dash, it makes sense. Right. Like waifu, like kung fu. Right. It's interesting. There's a. I'm trying to remember this movie that throws back. I think I told you about it. Throws it's a throwback to Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Like the Psycho S. It was shot in black and white mostly, and uh, it's about a girl in a New York apartment, 
and you got to watch and determine whether or not she's insane or possessed is what they go with. And uh, they do it very – the actress does an amazing job, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. According to the internet in 2018, there's like a gang of films that come out with a single woman possessed in an apartment in New York because uh, I just pulled up like a list. However, I did see the top 18 films of all time for that allegedly deal with possession, and I already lost respect for it. Constantine's number five. <laughs> I mean, you know, Constantine's not a terrible movie. I, I enjoy it. I like the movie Constantine. But that movie didn't scare nobody, no how. Right, it's not, I, I don't think it's a horror movie. I feel like it doesn't count. I feel like it's a supernatural action film, but it's not, it ain't the same as like Friday the 13th, which, you know, whatever, you know, scary or not. It's like, Constantine was not made for its horror elements. It was made for its like supernatural. Darling is the name of the film. Darling, tell me about this. So, Darling, um... I believe it was a, was a remake even of a 1964 film. My memory serves of it. Uh, but looking at it, basically it's about a girl who gets called to be in a house, right? A, a, a nice swank a penthouse in, in New York. Uh-huh. And in this penthouse, the caretaker says she's got run of the house, watch everything nice. You know, she's a cute girl. The time takes place, what seems to be like 1940s or fifties and uh, tells her there's one door. Or doesn't even tell her. She discovers there's one place in the whole penthouse where the door's locked. And she tells the woman on the phone, says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here and I found this. And, you know, what would I do? And she says, whatever you do, don't ever open the door. Mm-hmm. Leave the door alone and stay away from it. And the way the director shot it, the way they placed it is it's down like, a, like an L-shaped hallway and there's nothing on the walls. It's all white. Make you believe it's a long corridor getting to this one door. And there's just, just nothing you could do about it, right? Well... She's up here, and you don't get this immediately starting to watch the film, but she's very she's somewhat timid, and it definitely seems to not want to be in the thick of like going out. Like doesn't have a whole lot of friends she runs out to to hang out with, and just is maybe even got some sort of psychosis, right? And she tries to go to the supermarket one night because she well I should back it up the way it shots a lot of watching the actress in the in the place initially, right? So kind of lulls you into like maybe this might be boring or maybe a little too smart for the audience, right? Like maybe they miss the mark. They didn't miss the mark. It's done on purpose. They want you to feel the isolation. She's in this place. It's big. She explores it. She has a little food, checks in, knows about the door, and she goes to sleep. When she sleeps at night, they shoot a shot initially where it's a beautiful artsy shot of her in a room slowly looking at the hallway. And you're expecting some sort of cheesy paranormal activity. Right. You spot the ghost in the mirror, you know, or something like that. Nothing. And immediately, I'm focused. I'm, I'm into this film. Right. Why nothing? Well, then it focuses on her. What's wrong with her, right? She gets up, goes to the supermarket. And in the supermarket, she gets her grocery, does her thing. And she seems very, like, does just doesn't like people, right? I'm one who in groups and crowds definitely... I have an unconscious effect, like an actual, I wish I didn't. I will sweat around crowds of people. You've seen me do this. Yeah. Like I'm perfectly fine yeah. laughing. You wouldn't notice, but I'm just, I'm just dripping because my, I'm at a 10, right. you know, it's like an, I, I, like an adrenal thing. It's a dysfunction really, but it happens and everyone gets nervous and everybody has these type of things. That's just how it is. But with her, I could tell that that's what the actress is doing, right? She's not doing what, not my response, but her response seems to be almost falling into her head. And it's taking a lot of her energy just to shop. But when she's leaving, there's this guy in the place that, that she's real skittish around, and you have no idea why. 
And she doesn't have any idea why. Right. It's just when she gets outside, this dude's walking and then he's like, Hey, you okay? And she doesn't answer him. And then when he moves to get closer, she holds a cross out in front of him. Right. Like just pulls a cross off her neck and just, Oh, oh you know, stay back. I'm like, this chick is off her fucking meds. <laughs> like what is going on? You know? And, and why did he do it? Right. He just wanted to make sure she was okay because she got more and more tense. Like she was about to pop. And then you're like, yeah, he's a good looking guy. Nice dude, whatever. And he's like, all right, ma'am, you have a nice night beautiful response he didn't try to get help he didn't you know become super he was like okay cool i'm sorry i alarmed you like please have a better better night takes off she goes upstairs and like you watch this personality flip right she goes from being nice and timid and she gets up she's pissed you know she's just like suddenly she's getting dressed up and she's gonna go out and she is you know had her little nap and she's she's up and resting she's and she's immediately like how dare i be afraid of anybody Right. It's not what I'm about. I'm not going to live this life. I'm like, okay, maybe it was this girl just never dated, you know, for whatever reason, got old enough, never dated, something happened and you know, she's getting over it. Who knows? But the way they do this, it's all about the, the cinematography. It's all about the ambiance of sound as well. Right. Right. They're not making you jump at all, but then they start giving you these nightmare cues when she's sleeping. Right. And then they slip in stuff like, uh, you would expect in a horror film about possession. Right. They talk about like, you know, the stage three, right? Just like, I forget what it, what it, what they called it, but that's what it is. Like they come in with the cue card on the screen, it's black stage three. And then it, you know, she has a nightmare. Right. And then she gets up and goes and does some type of way. And she goes through the stages. And, uh, as you watch it, you're just hooked right there, you know, slow build, but worth it. And then it's just nightmare city near the end. It's not super gory. Right. Right. I'm not saying there's not gore in it. I'm just saying it's not done tastelessly. And it's it's worthwhile. It's like a film that's awesome that they they have a have a director and a writer that came up with, and finding the right actress is everything in the film too. Does this does this movie take place over like a number of chapters? Yes. Okay. Cool. So I just want to make sure yeah. that yeah, all right. Because I was look I was like looking it up while we were talking, and I was like, oh okay, yeah. So um, a resounding uh, A plus from Bob on both the uh, oh shit, what was the movie called now? Fuck, Darling. Darling, yes, on <laughs> Darling, uh, resounding A plus on the movie Darling, and then Bob, you also liked Deadpool. So, um, two movies I'll have to see. Uh, Deadpool, I'll see when I have the loot to go see it. Um, did you see it in IMAX or did you see it like just standard? It had to be IMAX, and I feel that was due to your review of IMAX in. Uh, Dude, yeah, Avengers. Fucking Avengers was badass in IMAX, so. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm all in. So, all right, cool. Well, that's uh, some movies I got to see, and um, I'll give you guys my perspective on it as soon as I see it. So, all right. Anything else, Bob? Nope, that's it, man. Alrighty. Well, thank you for a pleasant and enjoyable nerd words. I am Nathan, <laughs> and I'm Bob, and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>